Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, where your source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development, where we share original research, explore industry trends, and interview executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We hope you join us often for practitioner-oriented content around all things related to leadership, HR, talent management, organizational development, and change management. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Do you enjoy the Human Capital Innovations Podcast? Enjoy ad-free listening by going to the Patreon page, and please consider contributing even at the producer or sponsorship level. And please leave a review. Thank you for your support. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Steve Gilman about the difference between a good manager, a great manager, and an amazing manager. Steve Gilman, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Hey, thanks for having me, John. Excited to be here. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be with you. You're joining us from New York. I'm south of Salt Lake City in Utah. And today we're going to be talking about the difference between a good manager, a great manager, and an amazing manager, and how learning and development plays into that difference that we often see within teams. Now, we've all been there. We've all been parts of teams and worked for organizations that had crummy bosses, that had decent bosses, kind of mad bosses. And hopefully we've all had a chance to work with someone who's just awesome, really just amazing and made all the difference. And so we're going to unpack that a little bit, talk about those differences, and then talk about what we can do to up our game in our own leadership approach and working with our people and how we can develop future leaders amongst our team so that, you know, people are, are, in the pipeline. As we get started, I wanted to share Stephen's bio with everybody. Stephen Gilman is co-founder and CEO of One Range. He has a BS in mechanical engineering from Yale University, an MBA from Columbia University, and he was drafted in 2008 by the Detroit Tigers, spent time as an intelligence officer for the Department of Defense, completing embassy tours as a diplomat in Cairo and Abu Dhabi, co-founded Block Party, which changed the way tailgating partnerships are developed in Division I colleges, and currently serves as a lieutenant in the U.S. Navy as a reserve intelligence officer. That is quite the diverse set of uh, kind of background and responsibilities. Uh, really cool, and I, I'm excited to explore all of this with you. Anything else you would like to share with me or the audience? Yeah, no, perfect. I appreciate that. I think um, the reason that background is important is because the different angles we attack leadership um, yeah. through sports and academics, um, everybody has a chance to to be a leader with clear kind of concrete set goals. My time with the government was interesting because I became more interested in um, creating other leaders than doing my day job, which is what put me through an MBA program and had me starting companies um, to build the culture I wanted and eventually led to to what we're doing now and what we're going to talk about today, which is making sure that we empower those around us to to better achieve the goals of the organization. Yeah, wonderful. Well, why don't we start with you describing, defining your kind of thinking and approach towards this distinction between 
you know, that good manager, the great manager and the amazing manager. And we're not even talking about the really crappy toxic boss. <laughs> there's, there's a whole extra subset and like scale of toxicity and, and just bad bosses. Um, but kind of focusing on the, the positive end of the spectrum, there's still some distinct differences and, you know, good, better, best. We want to get to great. We want to get to amazing. We want to get to awesome and develop our people to be that, to become that way as well. Yeah, I think um, it, it's it's a great start into this. So it, you look at a, a company, an organization, um, an entity that has a goal that structures people around achieving that goal, whether connection is the most important thing to us or not, your direct manager influences. And we've all seen the stats as to how long you stay around, how much you learn at the job, how much you love the job. Um, your affinity for the brand. So you can go to a great brand that has a great culture. If your direct line manager um, is in a negative way, you're not going to have the same perception of someone who does. Um, What companies are notoriously bad at from the top level down is individual development, your growth, your trajectory, where are your goals? Um, And so companies that see high turnover generally don't have those great connections through their managers to individuals. Um, the people that brag about how awesome their manager is, empowers them, knows them on the personal and professional level, and find ways to help them get there. The dirty little secret is that managers never have more time than you think they do. And so it's really hard to connect with everybody. Um, managers also have to manage up. And that goes from the first line manager with one subordinate all the way to a CEO who obviously has stakeholders um, and markets to kind of worry about. So there's different elements of what it affects behaviors. Uh, right now, we know that you can clearly feel if you have a good, great, or not so great of, of a manager, and, and we'll kind of break that down today. And you're right. I mean, it's from the the line level supervisor all the way up through middle management to executive level and C-suite. I mean, no matter what level we're talking about, um, people who have responsibility for people are leaders. Uh, and you can have that formal title and position. Uh, power and authority, but there's also leaders who are informal. Uh, They don't have the official title, but they still have a lot of impact and influence and the ability to to drive change within the organization. So we want to be able to foster both kinds. We want to be able to have leaders who can be the, the, you know, the go-to person that people look towards for thought leadership and influence and such who may just be in, uh, informal leaders. And we also want to create a pipeline in the succession plan and, and develop the talent in our teams so that people can have opportunities to, to, to grow in their career within your company and not just leave um, to go chase an opportunity somewhere else. If you don't have chances for them to grow in their career, they're not going to stick around. I mean, there's a whole bunch of reasons why people aren't going to stick around, but that's one of them. And, and, and so, you know, there's something we can do about it in terms of developing our people uh, for those future opportunities. Uh, so I, I think yeah. that's that's a really important point that you mentioned and just remembering that all the way up the line, uh, no, ma- no matter how tall or flat your hierarchy is, you have people that are in positions of influence that need to get better. I, I, I've yet to meet a leader who couldn't work on continual improvement uh, to make a difference for their team. And uh, so supporting people who are already in those positions is really important. And then supporting, of course, the, the, the bench, uh, the people who, who will eventually take those roles in the future. Yeah. Um, I, I mentioned a little bit about my, my athletic background, um, right? Coaches, assistant coaches, captains of the teams, uh, veterans that have been on teams for a little while, 
consider themselves to be um, more in a leadership role than the people just uh, adding to the bench, adding to the roster. It wasn't until I got working for a few years for the Department of Defense, big, highly structured organization by nature, while very mission-driven, very bureaucratic. Um, there's a, a, a structure there where if you're sitting in a 300-person office... The only people that are described as leadership happen to be of a certain rank and up. If you're on the government civilian side, it's a GG or GS 14 and 15, right? So, hey, when you hear about where the decisions are made, oh, leadership has this for decision. I know that's not how we try to to form everything. It's just kind of the structure of bureaucracy. But um, I always had, uh, much like you said, John, leadership is a characteristic, Right. So you can be at any stage in your professional um, career and be a leader. You can be a better leader and improve over time. I would hope so. Right. That's the goal of everyone. But as it pertains to private organizations, small organizations trying to grow, our company right now actually vets for leadership, no matter what role you're in, right from the beginning. Let's call it a 20 year old intern just trying to get experience. We're vetting for leadership first because if you're going to be great at your job, Eventually, you're going to manage other people, and you're going to still need that characteristic. Not to mention, I've hired tons of people I have great respect for um, over the course of my entrepreneurial career that when I say, why do you want to work here? Me as the co-founder, right? I came up with the idea. I expect someone to say, Steve, because your idea, your vision, you're a great leader. The way it always happens, which I love, is they say, I want to work with that person. And that person doesn't necessarily have to be a VP, executive, mid-level manager. We used to want on the team that they just... That is who I'm going to learn the most from. And as long as you have an environment where I could be alongside that person, I love what they do. I love where they're going. And of course, they're a leader, right? That's how they have that person do it. So um, anywhere in the organization, the characteristic of leader is going to be the most important. Um, those who embody it are, are more likely to rise up in the chain and be a good or great leader um, in their future. Yeah, and maybe it's worth taking just a moment because we've been talking primarily around the idea of leadership. Um, but when I was framing up the episode at the very beginning, I talked in terms of a good manager, a great manager, and an amazing manager. Maybe we can talk for just a minute about um, the Venn diagram that is leadership and management and where the overlap happens and where there's differences and why it's important to have both. It's important to have people with good leadership competencies, but it's also important to have people with good managerial competencies uh, in in various roles within the organization. How do you make sense of that? Yeah, Uh you manage tasks and you lead people, right? Um, tasks can be the managing up, managing down, projects that have to get done, cash flow, products, whatever you have. Those things need to be managed to push forward and get done in the right right direction. Um, you lead people. And again, the first and foremost, because you can teach the project management, you can teach how to manage and read read a cash flow statement and and get the best out of that. Leading people is what inspires people to start coming to work every day. It's a tight labor market out there. People don't need to work for your organization um, if they don't want to, right? There's probably multiple job offers. They probably have more internal job offers coming their way if they're great at what they do. And so really it's about people leading other people. Um, the managing portion for the task can be trained. Um, it, always, it always has. There's plenty of resources around that. Um, 
we find that those who can both manage tasks and lead people are going to be more fulfilled in what they do. They're going to have more impact and influence, and they're certainly going to attract other leaders to the organization. Yeah. And so everyone who's a good manager isn't necessarily a good leader. And everyone who's a good leader is not necessarily a good manager. Ideally, there's overlap and you have people in positions that have both competency sets uh, who can drive both. And I've, I've worked for and I've been in organizations and I've consulted with organizations where there's someone who is a really great visionary leader, um, as you were defining but they couldn't get stuff done. Like they, they, you know, from the managerial side, they just couldn't move things forward. Uh, and, and then I've seen people who were in, you know, executive roles, leadership roles, who were really great managers. They weren't great leaders. Uh, they were not good at, at rallying the troops and, and get, getting people to buy in and inspiring people and getting, you know, having a shared vision and like some of those types of leadership traits that we often talk about. Um, and in an ideal world, we want to have both. Uh, now, not everyone is fully, um, you know, to the point in their career where they have fully developed both. And so that's where we have development plans and we can work on helping people um, grow and develop those skills and competencies uh, and, and to, to strengthen their existing competencies uh, but that also then speaks to the, just the reality that we need to recognize that some people are better suited for different types of roles. Um, some, some leadership roles, you know, when I'm talking about like the hierarchy and, and position, uh, some leadership roles lean more on the managerial side and some are more on the vision and strategy and, and that side. And, and so just being aware of that, I think. If I'm in an executive role and I'm trying to make decisions on hiring and, and who is best suited for different types of positions, I think that's a distinction I need to be able to make and then also recognize, yeah, I can continue to develop my people, someone who may you know, be a really great visionary leader person, but is lacking in the follow through and the managerial and the project management stuff and all those sorts of things. Then you can focus on that. You can train them up on those things, uh, or vice versa, right? And if we can remember that, I think that will help us uh, to navigate the the minefield that can sometimes be bureaucracy and, and hierarchy, and just trying to accomplish things with our teams. Yeah, that's absolutely right. I um, I'll try to relate it to an iconic iconic example. Um, Apple's an amazing brand. Steve, Steve Jobs is a great visionary leader. I think that's undisputed at this point. Um, most of the followers, just from what I understand, uh, from, from the information sources, the documentaries, people that worked for him prior, if you're sitting in an audience, he's a very inspirational, visionary leader. If you were to work directly for someone um, that had his personality type and his drive and things like this, I don't know is that it would work out for all employees, right? So he's someone who's in the top echelon of visionary, doesn't need to manage tasks like a smaller program manager would. Or if he did, it seemed in the earlier parts of his career, uh, it, it, he wasn't easy to work with, right? So when it comes down to an employee where you where you fit within the organization, your direct manager has the most influence on you without a doubt. Um, in that career I talked about with the DOD, um, I was on a team of six people at any given time. I can tell you all of my managers, where they come from, who their husband or wife is, their family, how great they are at what they're doing. I could not tell you the name of the office chiefs I had that were looking over everyone. Do I believe they were steering us in the right direction and great leaders? Absolutely. Some of them were at a point in their career where they only had the choice to be strategic and visionary. 
and they didn't have the time to do individual development and impact directly on a smaller subset of folks. Uh, I think the folks that succeed really well that I have a lot of respect for are people that grow up within an organization, right? Start at the bottom rungs of sales, get into some project management, business management, eventually become executives of those larger companies like the Johnson and Johnsons and, and IBMs of the world who tend to promote internally. Those people are wildly impressive because obviously they've made an impact on individuals they work directly with, and now they're making an impact um, in a larger, larger scale amongst really large organizations. Yeah. And and when I think back to, you know, this distinction between the good, the great and the amazing manager or leader, and we're thinking about that Venn diagram and the overlap, you know, I've, I've had experiences with, um, with leaders in the past who great people, I really liked them. Um, not bad to work for at all. Uh, certainly not toxic, not, you know, a bad boss. Um, I would say they were a good boss uh, overall, but in terms of being able to, you know, do, get, get into the weeds, do the nitty gritty, get, move things forward, um, hold people accountable, like those types of things that need to be able to happen in order for teams to hum along, um, they, they weren't great. And so in my mind, as I make that distinction between these different categories of good, great, amazing, I would say, yeah, these, these people, they're good. They're, they were fine. Uh, you know, not, nothing to write home about, um, you know, not spectacular, but they were good. They were solid, um, a good contributor. Uh, but then I think back to those examples of, of leaders that were just really spectacular, really amazing. Um, usually those people had a mix. So that Venn diagram overlapped a lot. So they were very capable in both kind of sets. Um, and, they were very people focused, people oriented, uh, and wanted to help their people succeed. Like that was their number one goal, not to, um, you know, sometimes leaders find themselves in a, in a, a position they're promoted through their career, they have success. And then they find themselves in a position of authority and overseeing a group of people when maybe they were really good at their sales job, or they were really good at their coding or whatever technical expertise they had in the past. Now they're not really doing that anymore. Now they're leading a team of people who are doing that. And that's a different skill set. Uh, and so finding people who can make that transition isn't always super easy. But when you have someone with the good overlap of skill uh, in terms of management and leadership, uh, who can make that transition from uh, disciplinary and topical expertise to the leading of teams and people, and then focus on that kind of people centric orientation, uh, and, and work to support and develop your team, go to bat for your team that develops trust and loyalty and commitment. All of those things just lead to, uh, ultimately a better dynamic culture and better outcomes for the team. You just accomplish a whole lot more, the best surefire way for you as a leader and a boss to look really good is to not get into the weeds too much and micromanage too much, um, but like rather empower your people to do really great stuff and support them to do great stuff. Um, and then they they have success and then they make you look good because the team's having success. And that's ultimately actually what a, a great leader does. Yeah, I, uh, you know, I've tried to boil down the the good, the great, the amazing manager. I think the greatest indicator that we can correlate to those kind of levels of tears happens before someone even gets to the job on their first day. And uh, I'll explain a little bit later. I 
throughout our careers, we're going to go through plenty of 360 reviews to identify actually what we are in the good, great, amazing leadership thing. The easiest way to tell for any organization, if I'm a manager and I run a four-person sales team, as soon as I hire the right person, um, I can start supporting and being there for them three months before they start. I understand there's life and transitions and things like that, but it's not that hard to show that you support. Um, that's your your first impression for you to get to the first day of work is that this person reached out, they gave me resources, they understand it. So, so here's the kind of analogy I'll make. A good manager, or you can be a good manager, if the first day someone shows up, you get to know them, you introduce them to the right people, you get uh, managing the tasks they have to do, right? Because you're, you're focused on that and that's their first day. Awesome. Uh, a good manager, uh, sorry, a great manager will be reaching out before you land the first day to make sure you're trained up, you feel comfortable, um, you know, your strengths and weaknesses and get to know you as a person because that's going to make everything easy. The easy thing there is managership folks, books and resources all the time say, hey, get spun up on this. Our team just read that, right? They get you involved early. An amazing manager, when they hire you, you're actually learning something from them and they give you the resources before you start and you're set up for success day one. So when you look down at an organization and managers aren't talking to their direct reports or actually working with them, um, you know, first or second cell phone conversation until the day they show up, there's there's something lacking in trying to lead that person. It's, you know, back to the baseball analogy, someone gets traded onto a team. It is not the first time those folks have ever played together or talked to the general manager or understood each other. It's not the first time on the field or on practice, right? They're building those relationships beforehand. And those are the people that you're in the trenches with, so to speak. Um, so that's that's the best correlation that I see. And it usually happens before the people they're supposed to lead even start. And of course, you have to have the business acumen and manage the tasks as you go. But the company can help you with that. You framed it up at the beginning, you know, the importance of just support and, and development of people and developing the next crop of leaders, right? Developing your bench. So you have people who are ready uh, to take over, you know, and have opportunities to grow in their career and help the organization. Uh, what are some of the processes that you've taken in your own businesses and organizations you've been a part of to develop uh, those your people um, through learning, uh, you know, formal learning and development initiatives, uh, but also informal uh, efforts to make sure that they're being prepared? Yeah. So I think, um, you know, one of the things to look at, I talked about individual development. Um, John, you and I can start a job with the same role, the same day, doing the same thing. The way that you learn and develop is going to be different than myself. Uh, it's going to be based on preference, timing, flexibility, where things are in your family and home life, uh, whether, you know, the effort can be there or not and your goals. So we may both show up as a sales development rep, but your goal is to, to learn as much about sales and then go to the product side. From day one, you're starting to explore and understand different things about pieces of organization, and I'm going to do something different. So it's largely correlated to how much time a manager spends with folks, how direct they are in making uh, use of that time, understanding where people want to go. And by the way, I think, you know, it's 2023, so this has been gone for years, but the whole hesitation of where do you want to go and hoping that it's, hey, in 10 years, I want to be working for you still, that's gone, right? Because people people flip careers, especially the good ones all the time. So 
how do you empower those people? Um, when I started One Range, which is a workforce upskilling platform, um, we concentrated on something very necessary. When we talk to managers, almost 100% of the time, their desire was to individually develop people. But outside of putting them on different projects, mentoring, spending time with them, hooking them up with the right people in the organization to learn from, it became very, very evident that there's a lot of external resources. Call it a book when you start or an online course or a conference or things you can explore through all these tons of, of, of learning providers. Um, <clears throat> individuals are not able to leverage that as easy and managers certainly do not have the time to be understanding preferences, what the right course is, what the right book at the moment is. Um, so that was astonishing to me because I, I very rarely say this as an entrepreneur, but almost 100% of the time managers say, I have no time to do this, but yes, I want it to happen, right? So my, my company focuses on breaking down the barriers and making it really easy. So if you want to be a, a great manager and you want to send two books to your people before they even start, our platform is the easiest way to do it. And by the way, we help you discover what those books should be, send them out and do the expense management for the company on the other side of things. So we're trying to make the manager's desire come to life in a very easy way with technology. And that happens throughout someone's career. 36% um, of people coming out of college right now, uh, especially on the technical side, are saying the number one reason they're joining companies for learning and development. I believe that means individual growth, learning and development opportunities, as opposed to the larger LMS systems that enterprises might have, and the managers are directly in charge of that, but they have no time to do it. So let's use technology just in the same way that you can approve other expenses. Let's do it to make the managers more empowered to get stuff in front of their folks. Um, and so that's, that's cool. It's become lightning and you're starting to see managers get better at what they do without spending more time doing it. Yeah. I love that. Steve, this has just been a really fun conversation. We've only scratched the surface. There's a whole lot more we could talk about, but I know the time I need to let you go here just a minute before we wrap things up for today. I wanted to give you a chance to share with the audience, how they can connect with you, find out more about your work, your team, and then give us the final word on the topic for today. Hey, thank you so much. It's, it's a pleasure being here. I look forward to future conversations. Um, so our company is one range. It's onerange.co workforce upskilling platform. You can reach out directly to hello at onerange.co um, or reach out to me on LinkedIn. I love having conversations uh, about how to improve organizations, organizational development, L&D teams and employees alike. Um, we usually attend all the great conferences, Sherm Tech, uh, HR Transforms coming up at the end of March this month. Um, and so we'd love to meet in person and understand a little bit more about your organization. Uh, we're here to help professional development for everybody. Perfect. Thank you, Steve. It's been a pleasure. I encourage the audience to reach out, get connected, find out more about what Steve and his team can do for you. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. Do you enjoy the Human Capital Innovations Podcast? Enjoy ad-free listening by going to the Patreon page. And please consider contributing even at the producer or sponsorship level. And please leave a review. Thank you for your support. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week.